I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby dooby dooby doo wop. Pastor and Laura wake up. Good morning. Good morning. All right, we are on Acts chapter 17. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. As far as I know. <laughs> Should we get started right away, or did you have anything you thought of from yesterday? No, I think we can just okay, keep on going. Just jump while right I in. Drink my coffee. Okay. <laughs> Jumping right in, Acts chapter 17. When they had passed through Amphi- Amphipolis and uh, Apollonia. Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. What? There were many. Oh. <laughs> there weren't a few. There were a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ugh. Too early. Uh, okay. Oh, and not a few prominent women. So, like, why didn't they just say quite a few? I don't know. It's just a fun choice in words. Yeah. Not a few prominent That's enjoyed women. by me also. <laughs> yeah, people who talk like Yoda or <laughs> passive voice. Or something. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out into the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men, who have caused trouble all over the world, have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. Would you like to say anything? about that section yeah well, it's, it's good to look at what the custom of Paul was which was to go to the synagogues and reason with the people from scriptures so even though he's sent to the Gentiles and maybe we've made this point before that he continues to go to the people that God has chosen um, as his nation that grew up with scripture and reason with them, saying that Jesus really is the King and the Messiah that we have been waiting for. And he makes that point a lot more prominent in the book of Romans. But, uh, and people believed. So it's not, when I read through the Bible, there are a lot of times when I just focus on the negative of how people treated the message. And... For example, the Pharisees and these people here starting a riot. But in almost all of those cases, you do hear, and many people did believe, the message uh, that they said. So, the Holy Spirit was working wherever the word was preached, and many people believed. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. 
This is the first time Jason is mentioned, I think. Was it the only time Jason is mentioned? I do not know, but it appears that he had a house in Thessalonica, so this was his place. And he must have been a, a citizen because they said they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go, so... Yeah, and he could have been a, a prominent Jewish figure at that time, mm. or not prominent, but he offered... Jason doesn't sound like... Is that a Jewish name? Sounds more like a... I I mean... I don't know. I don't know the roots of it. I guess I just uh, thought he was a a citizen in Thessalonica. All right, anyway, I'll keep reading. You can look at that if you want to. In Berea, as soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Many of the Jews believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens, and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. So in this little section, there things are going well in Berea, and then the last town, Thessalonica, they hear about this and they come to kind of like heckle and agitate, and then they feel maybe in danger or something because they decide to split up yeah well they know whenever the people get together and do something like this i mean and they were persecuting jason so it might have gotten worse and worse and worse for him if they really want a church to stand there they're not going to agitate it anymore they've been there for three weeks already they've in berea no in thessalonica oh Oh, yeah before they left because it says they were there well at least two weeks Two weeks in a day, talking about three Sabbaths. Um, I did find something about Jason. You're right. Jason is a Greek name, the O-N ending. And according to Josephus, and Josephus was a very famous Jewish historian. So there are many, many writings um, when we're trying to figure out what was going on in the Bible. Josephus is one of those sources that is much closer than we are. I believe he is in the 3rd century when he's doing his writings. I can look that up over the next... uh, I don't have the exact date offhand. But anyway, Josephus said that it was a common practice for the Jewish people to name someone... It was like a nickname for Jesus... So, if someone was called Jesus in Greek, they would call him Jason. Kind of like if I went and lived in Mexico, I'd probably be called Pablo. Yeah, well, just... What are you saying? Like, it's just the Greek version of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Like, the, I thought Jesus was, like, a version of Joshua. It is. So, and they just call him Joshua. Because that's not a... Greek, Greek name. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
so so they're that's not really his name they're just calling him that uh it was just a substitute so it could have been he could have been named jason because he was born in thessalonica or his hebrew name could have been jesus but they were calling him jason so we fit in more to the greek culture hmm okay guess we don't right. know for sure yeah i guess it's probably not important all right in athens verse 16 chapter 17 verse 16 here we go while paul was waiting for them in athens he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as those in the marketplace day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, What is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, He seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said Areopagus. what Areopagus okay they brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus where they said to him may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting you are bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said men of Athens I see that in every way you are very re religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now what, now what you worship is something unseen, I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. He is not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him through, though he is not far from each of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Areopagus, and also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. That's where 17 ends. Mm -hmm. Well, I was wrong about Josephus. He is a first century historian. You're mm -hmm. shaking your head like you knew that. Well, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know the exact dates he well, lived, but... Well, he could have corrected me. I was I'm wrong. Not, I didn't know. I just had a feeling. I've heard of him referenced many times in history and religion classes, and 
Obviously, if he's writing an accurate history, it's not going to be 300 years after the fact. It's true. So, anyways. Anyway. I didn't mean to know it all, kind of look at you, but let's talk about about this. Okay. So, Paul and Athens. It's... There's a couple of things here. One, in Paul's other sermons, a lot of times he quotes a lot of scripture. You know, he says, this is what it says in the Psalms, and this is what it says in your writings here and here and here. However, here, because he's talking to people that don't know the Bible, he starts with a different argument. He talks about their, I, their knowing that there is a God in general, and it shows that Paul has a great grasp on Greek educa- the Greek education that people would have received. He's able to quote their poets to them. And he makes this very compelling argument about God being real and why we should focus on a living God who was raised from the dead rather than a piece of stone. Well, yeah, he's like, it's it's that kind of logic, which we still use today. Like, why would we worship something that's as smart as us or that we can understand? Like when people say, oh, this religion doesn't make sense, or I don't understand this teaching in the Bible, so it can't be true. You know, we we always argue, wouldn't you want God to be so smart that you don't understand him? Because if you understood everything, then that would mean you're as smart as God, which is not a very impressive God. No, and you wouldn't need him. Right. So understanding that God is above and beyond you smarter than you, not created by human hands, not something you can contain in a a temple that's important then and is now because people still tend to think if it's something that doesn't make sense or this teaching is, you know, I can't comprehend this, then, well, then I'm going to discount the whole religion. But the point is there are some teachings that we you know, really don't truly understand or comprehend, like, you know, the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And we take it on faith because that's what what faith is. If we understood everything, it it would mean that we made it or we were superior, and that would be, you know. Well, it's also not just... God is also not just smarter or more powerful than you. He's smarter or more powerful than any person, anything that's ever been created. Hell yeah. Which, no, I know, I know, <laughs> I know you're just to be using, the smartest person. No, in the world. I know, but it's just, it's, he is so far beyond us. And whenever people get into all these mysteries, well, I can't understand this, I can't understand this, I say, well, the one mystery that, I always go back to is, why would God love me? Why would God want to save me? Because that's one of the greatest mysteries out there. If God has a standard of perfection for all of us, and we fail to keep that standard, 
and we continue to sin against our God, why would a holy and all-powerful God who does not need us suffer and die for us? And the mystery of God's grace is amazing and wonderful and something worth contemplating just as well. Well, to that, I feel like verse... 28 and 29 when he says we are his offspring we are like God's offspring I feel like since becoming parents so much of this is like makes more sense now you know why would God who doesn't need us and we're always not understanding him and doing the wrong thing why does he continue to love us well it's like our kids you know Like, do do we, I mean, logically, do we need them? They're not providing anything for us. They don't give us things we need. They don't help us, you know, in the sense that we don't, we don't give God anything that he can't do himself, which is, he says that earlier. He's not served by human hands. He doesn't need anything. Verse 25 our children can't do anything for us that we can't do for ourselves. They're mm-hmm. younger, they're weaker, they don't they're not smart. We give them rules, they break them. You know, they're we're, we're they're, like children yeah, to them, yeah. to God. And then well, they're not smart. They don't have a lot of factual knowledge, I guess. Well, yeah. I just don't want our kids to listen to this think we're they're not smart. I mean, well, they, they have, have potential. <laughs> Okay, obviously I think my children are smart and they're learning and they're growing, but they have questions that don't make sense. Like, you know, why, why can't, you know, I can't can't think of one right now. Oh, what was the one? (laughs) How do cows do? (laughs) How do cows do? And I said they do very well, but that's not what she was asking. Just like, how are cows? Like, <laughs> you know, and that it's just, just like, yeah, why do I forget what she, they were asking the other day? Like, oh, why do our, how do our, our ouchies heal? Like, how did, how do the scabs work? And, you know, you can go to school and you can learn about platelets and blood and all that stuff and figure it out. But when you're a kid and you ask a question like that, it's just like, I don't have time to explain this to you right now. Like, you know, in, You'll figure it out, or or you won't. You won't really truly understand it until, you know, you're much older. In that same way, we have questions or things where we're like, oh, I don't understand this, and we need to study God's word to learn, you know. Mm-hmm. Or there's certain concepts that will never really, you know, make sense. We'll just have to say, that's what God says, you know. And God forgives us unconditionally just like we love our kids even though you know i just said all those mean things about them (laughs) i'm sorry i didn't mean to make it sound like you were mocking our children or anything just saying all children they're uh like little sheep you know and they're not listening and the sheep analogy is used in the bible but here the offspring one i think it really brings in the love you know like God loves us like his kids, and it doesn't make sense sometimes when you are a parent 
like going to bed being very very mad about a bad day but you're still sitting there thinking about how much you love them and hope they're you know having a good night and you know sleeping well and you're you're full of love for them even though logically you should be you know mad about whatever the day's events and you know I've been rereading the old testament too and God disciplining the Israelites and you know sometimes you have to be stern and firm in your discipline but that doesn't mean you don't love them and there's just so many analogies to to parenthood and and this you know that Paul even brings that up now and says offspring just I thought that was kind of helping them to see like God has grace for you that you can't understand and you're his children and he loves you you know yeah and these unexplained things that people look for it's not as if when you become an adult you magically know everything you learn a lot of things by experience but there are still things that no matter how wise you are in this world you still struggle with like how does life begin or what is the meaning of all of this or the the expanse of the universe and these things here tell us that god created with awe and wonder so that people would seek god so that when we realize how small we are in the the grand scheme of god's creation and how amazing god has made the world to accommodate man and keep him alive that instead of just saying, well, this is really nice, we would try and figure out who our God is and learn about what he has done in the gospel promise. And this is what all mankind can see. Yeah. It's a, it's a nice section. Well, they say that like all, you know, all creation points to God. So when you look at something, you know, from the smallest ant colony to yeah the expanse of the universe it should make you you know kind of stand back and be like how did all of this come about by chance you know there's got to be a you know almighty being you know we see God in nature and you know that should make us come to God look for God and sometimes though sadly I think it makes people look to themselves more like well then I have to find an explanation or I'll discover you know this or I will you know men will find answers soon but Paul's saying here you know come to God Mm -hmm. look to God for answers or you don't need answers to everything you just need to focus on the one thing that's important and the Bible does have answers it's just people we are by nature enemies of God And we hear what God says and say, no, I don't want to do that. Like little kids run and close the door in our room, (laughs) stay distracted. So, yeah. So that was, that was 17. Upload a map and link it to these sections so you can see where Paul's traveling in these areas. Mm -hmm. Tomorrow we'll be talking about 
Corinth. Yeah, or if you're listening on a phone, just tell S-I-R-I or whatever your smart device is to show you a map of these things. Oh, that will never work. We live in the future. I think these things will work. No, don't. We'll find a good map and link okay. it. Okay. We'll end up with like a modern day map of Greece or something. It'll be dumb. We'll see what you end up with, but we'll uh, <laughs> we'll upload something as well. So. <laughs> All right. We'll have a great day. Bye bye. Scooby Dooby Dooby Doo Wop. Pastor Randall, wake up.